The market for technology jobs appears to be shrinking as unemployment in the space ticks a little bit upward. Could this be the start of a drought in the space, or is it a temporary blip? And could generative AI tools be the cause of fewer entry-level tech jobs? We're going to talk all about the different uh, job market prospects on this episode of Today in Tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Today in Tech. I'm Keith Shaw. Joining me on today's show is Lucas Mirian. He is a senior writer at Computer World. Welcome back to the show, Lucas. Thanks for having me. So I just noticed that this is episode 100 of Today in Tech since we relaunched the series uh, earlier this year. And I looked back and you were episode number one when we started numbering. We did have a few before, (laughs) but then we started numbering and you were the first one. So from one to 100. And I think I had you in the middle there somewhere, too. I did not know that. <laughs> it's, maybe it's, you know, systematic and 150, 100. Yeah, we'll have to have you at like episode 1000 probably at some point, but maybe in between we'll have you we'll have you back as well. Uh, so the, yeah, we looked at the uh, this the the job numbers in the IT space came out, I want to say a couple weeks ago for this was the month of September and we've been doing a lot of other episodes so I haven't gotten around to this yet, but um, some interesting numbers out uh, in the IT job space, uh, where we're also getting some conflicting numbers on how many IT jobs and tech jobs are, are out there currently. Um, can, you, can you give us a sense of what you're seeing in the space? Yeah, it, it was a little unusual this time around, um, because uh, typically you see IT unemployment heading down compared with overall national unemployment, right. which uh, is ticking up. Uh, but, you know, last month, national unemployment remained pretty much unchanged at about 3.8%. We actually added 336,000 jobs in the U.S. last month. And then you juxtapose that with tech industry uh, where or tech jobs in general, where it ticked up from about 2.8% to 2. Uh, no, I'm sorry, 2.1% to 2.2%. But that was even higher when you consider it was all the way down to 3.8% back in July. So yeah. it has taken up for sure. But it's still, I mean, relative to the overall unemployment, you got to look at the glass half full. It's We're doing far better than unemployment in general. But it is ticking up and we are seeing layoffs. Okay. Uh, and, and then there was also some conflicting numbers from, I guess, Janko Associates. They came out with... Like their big headline was that un- IT unemployment was at four point three percent in in September, again indicating that it's higher than the national uh, unemployment rate. Um, do you get a sense of what what numbers they're tracking versus maybe some of the, what the the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics are showing? Do they just compare yeah, I, different types of jobs as and then put it under an um, umbrella of tech jobs? Yeah, they do. I, I, what they do is they both use uh, BLS data, which is not non-specific to tech jobs. Yeah, uh, they use the title information, which can be a huge umbrella. Uh, basically, they're information workers, and some of it's tech and some of it isn't. <clears throat> and um, I'm sorry, <clears throat> business analysts, for example, aren't tech. Uh, so I think it's a matter of what numbers they're choosing to pluck from the BLS report. And Jenko tends to have uh, a higher number when it comes to unemployment, uh, just overall. Um, so they tend to have, they tend to be a little more of a downer when it comes to unemployment and <laughs> IT. We also have to remember that a lot of these numbers are based on tech companies, not always just tech jobs in general. Right. Um, yeah. So, so we have to keep so that. You, yeah. So if you see a company like 
Apple, Google, Facebook, etc. Do they get their like a job there would be considered a tech job, or is it the IT department or a developer group within a, a, a regular company that's not a tech company like um, Walmart or something like that? I mean, that's just it. It's I mean, you can yeah. have a tech job in a tech company manufacturing, for example. And then you can have tech jobs in non-tech companies like Walmart. So somebody who runs the data center, for example, right. uh, their CEO, uh, whomever, uh, software engineers, you know, developers of all sorts. Um, so yeah, it, it can. When you when we talk about tech jobs, we're talking about tech jobs across all industries and not just tech companies. Okay, that's that's a differentiator. And <clears throat> there was, uh, I think, hired had some numbers out on salaries, uh, tech jobs. Unfortunately, the salaries have been dropping. Uh, they're at a five-year low right now. I think they dropped by about three percent last month, from one sixty-one to one fifty-six, and, and on average, one hundred fifty-six thousand. Um, so those have been dropping as well. But there are bright spots too, and I think the brightest spot is among SMBs, small and medium-sized businesses, who couldn't get tech employees because the big companies that are right. having the layoffs, right? Uh, snapping them all up. They went on like this hiring spree during and after and right after COVID, uh, the pandemic. And because they were they were dealing with remote, of course, but they were also dealing with uh, have remote workers, but they're also having to deal with uh, digitization, e-commerce efforts. So they are, you know, as everybody was working from home and nobody was going out to stores, everything went into hyperspeed. Right. And they uh, yeah, they had to move their plans forward. So they needed an IT employees. Well, now it's starting to slow down again. Right. It has been slowing down and revenues are starting to drop. So now they're cutting away these IT employees they had hired on en masse. And, uh, and these small companies that could never get their hands on, there's still a tech uh, skills dearth out there. Mm-hmm. It very, especially in some spaces like software development, uh, data analysis, cloud, um, AI in general, that's a huge area right now that's on the uptick. And so these SMBs are hiring. They're, they're, that's a bright spot. So if, if you were out there looking for a job in, in the tech space uh, and you maybe were at one of these larger companies, is it, is it up to you to figure out, hey, maybe I should go work for a smaller business? They might not be able to pay the same, or they might, but they definitely have a need that's out there versus, you know, these, these giant mega tech companies, I guess it just has to be your willingness, right? It's, it's strategic. You know, if you're looking at your career and you want to be in a company that's growing you take chances, of course, this is a bit of a gamble, but do your research on the company. There are a lot of, especially AI companies right now that are growing in leaps and bounds, just as they were with big data and uh, e-commerce before that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it, it can be fun, a lot more fun working for a smaller company. I'm not talking about, a, you know, maybe like a startup, but I'm not talking always startups. These can be medium, mid-sized businesses as well, just not the behemoths, you know, the, the Googles and the Amazons right. and the Microsofts. Right. But they do, you know, the larger companies do tend to offer more stability. Um, but I'm telling you right now, there are a lot of mid-sized companies that are growing leaps and bounds because of new technologies. And you brought up AI uh, right there in uh, in terms of the companies that are out there hiring, uh, there was a, a a mention in one of the reports that generative AI uh, initiatives and projects, especially in the IT space for entry level workers, might be one of the reason you're seeing more 
unemployment or less uh, job demand for those entry level workers as as companies move to maybe automate some of those tasks that that were provided by the the entry level folks. Are, are you seeing that too, or was that just sort of? Uh, uh, an explanation for a possibility on why the why the the uh, the rate went up. Let me think about this. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, AI is not replacing jobs yet. It, okay. If it is, it, it's it's so minimal, it's not even funny. What what AI is going to do, at least for the foreseeable future, years down the road, is uh, and I'm not saying this because I'm a big AI fan. Yay, you know, Skynet, come on. That's not what I'm talking. About. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. AI is going to be an assistant. It's going to remove repetitive, boring tasks, things that people don't really want to do, but low-level workers do now. Um, administrative work, you know, data entry work, uh, um, you know, some of the most most mundane things that people do and they don't really want to do. It's going to be more of an assistant. So, is it going to replace some jobs? Yes, but I'm a firm believer, just as with the, the many industrial revolutions that we've had. <clears throat> that it's going to create more jobs than it eliminates. And maybe I'm looking at this with rose-colored glasses on a bit, but honestly, I, I know it's different. AI is not the industrial revolution. It isn't a new revolution in and of itself, especially with generative AI. AI has been around for 50 years. Yeah. But generative AI, especially uh, with ChatGPT launching late last year, has really changed the book. But I still believe it's going to be more of an assistant, more of a, a help. A helper in your jobs than it is eliminating jobs. It's going to eliminate some low-level jobs, yeah. But I also think it's going to create a lot of jobs. And as you know, we've talked about before, prompt engineering. Um, I don't know that prompt engineers are, are going to remain a one-off. Yeah. But for now, I think you're you're you are seeing these positions being created. I just talked to N, uh, NTT Data this morning. As a matter of fact, uh, we were emailing back and forth. And they were telling me how they had created the position of prompt engineer and that it was needed now in order to uh, tweak these large language models, basically the platforms, the foundations of generative AI like ChatGPT, in order to be more domain specific. So financial services, healthcare, my business specific. Right. Um, you know, so, instead of these. Yeah. Go yeah. Ahead. So let's say let, let's say you were in one of these low level positions. Maybe you're just getting out of school and you're starting and, you know, they've got you doing these these, you know, manual repetitive jobs. And then you find out within your company you're like, OK, well, we're working on an, a, an AI project that there should be some red flags there that, you, you know, that position might might be eliminated. What kind of things can they do? in this job to, to make sure that they don't get eliminated or if the job does get eliminated, that they're ready for the next level. Cause there's still a lot of jobs out there and a lot of demand for different types of jobs. Correct. Like software, absolutely. software developing, especially there's, there's a big need. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, there are lots of jobs out there for it. So this is the fun part. You know, yeah. This is the part you get to improve and grow and, uh, and, and and plot your own future. There are so many, not only free courses out there, but there are plenty of online uh, um, education yeah. uh, sites. Coursera, uh, just, just one. I'd have to look and see others, but there's a lot of them. And that's actually what these companies are doing. They're upskilling their current workers to take on some of these new technologies. So why not upskill yourself? It's right. not that expensive. And... 
I'm going to tell you right now, a big trend out there is we don't care if you have a computer science degree anymore. Yeah. A lot of companies are literally removing that requirement from their job listings. And instead, what they're looking for are what skills do you have? What have you done in the past? How have you upskilled yourself to meet some of the new demands? So have fun with it. Go educate yourself. What what interests you? What do you think is exciting? And there are opportunities out there to upskill yourself or, you know, tell your manager. Yeah. I, yeah. I would a few, week, a few weeks ago, we had a guest in, in our studio here that talked about um, hiring practices and how they're going to change. And he came right out and said that they're probably not even going to look to see if, if someone has a degree or not anymore. Yeah. Um, more about when they bring him in for an interview, can you show me that you understand generative AI and do you understand some of these tools and how to write a prompt? And I know that you, you know we go back and forth on prompt engineering, if that's going to be um, a specific job task or a specific skill that people will need or if it's going to be woven into a lot of these tools or or other other skills later on. Um, but I would jump at that chance and just learn as much as I could about how to write prompts better than everybody else, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and specific to whatever industry that you might be in as well. But uh, it's, it's uh, they're paying like, you know, I, I, I say this with a bit of hesitation, but yeah. I, I read at least two stories that have said that prompt engineers can earn 300,000 plus because they're so needed right now. But again, I've also talked to companies, I've talked, I talked to, uh, there are several companies uh, that are hiring, and I'm trying to bring up my, my own article now. Um, let's see, uh, we, I said NTT data, right? Yeah. Uh, this is Datsami, uh, Ernst & Young, uh, eDreams. These are all companies that have literally created the role of prompt engineer. And then there are other people who believe that the, the role of prompt engineer is going to be wrapped into, like we were just saying, in an IT uh, end user's job description. So right. their whole, and business people, by the way, who understand, especially people who deal with uh, customer service, who understand the technology that you're selling. These guys are great candidates for upskilling themselves on prompt engineering because they know what the what people are looking for. Right. So when right. you're trying to customize a generative AI platform, who better to do it than people who really understand what you're selling? Yeah, I've I've got two thoughts on the this prompt engineering thing. First, it feels like back in the day when Google and some of these other internet search engines came out, there was never a job description for Google search code writer or Google search engineer. <laughs> Like you just yeah. learned how to do it, you know. Every every right. worker learned how to Google something, and then if someone didn't know, you know, someone would be in the office and they'd come up and go, "Hey, uh, you know, how do I get, you know, blah blah blah?" And you'd go, "Well, go Google it," and you know, Google became a verb, and you just told you would teach people how to how to Google or how to do use a search engine. I, I think we're right. going to be the same. It's going to be the same in the future with Gen AI tool. If someone comes up to you and goes, well, how do I use this? And you're going to show them, you're going to take them to either Bing or BART or, or ChatGPT itself and, and say, this is what you need to do. And then read articles on how to become a better prompt engineer. And it'll all be become part of the modern day business worker in five to 10 years or however long it's going to take. Um, secondly, I think the job descriptions themselves, these, these big high, these $335, uh, $335,000 ones, 
Um, it's yeah. similar to that nine hundred thousand dollar AI job at Netflix that that was you know that was publicized a few months ago. I don't think they're actually going to hire those people. I think maybe they're just looking for a flood of resumes and then they'll get that that salary down based on experience because no one's got the experience right now. It's all brand new. Yeah, I was talking to a Columbia University um, AI professor uh, a couple of days ago, and one of the things that he said is he, he thinks prompt engineering, while right now it's it's definitely, it could be a separate job title, it's eventually going to be something akin to learning how to use an Excel spreadsheet, Yeah, like you were saying. Like everybody's going to learn how to do this. Um, but I think there's still going to be instances, uh, especially as large language models shrink, it's sort of an oxymoron when you say smaller, large language models. <laughs> you know, they're large, yeah. but they're less large. They're uh, less large, small language models. So instead that, of that sounds like a coffee order at Starbucks. I'll get a less large. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, with a, a spritz of uh, maple. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, so what what you're seeing here is um, these. You have these amorphous, enormous uh, large language models with you know, billions or even over a trillion in the case of chat G or GPT, GPT-4 uh, parameters. So how they can be tweaked uh, to provide information. So how they answer questions, for example. These parameters are right now, they're huge. And that makes them very good for general use. And, and businesses can still use that. But if you want something specific to your vertical industry or even your company, something fast and something that doesn't suck cpu all day long then you want a small large language model you want and those are starting to come out there are smaller ones coming out there's a lot of open source models out there as well and these smaller ones are going to be more efficient you're going to be able to run them in your own data center in some cases yeah but even the cloud providers will run multiple large language models where today uh training up a large language model like ch chat uh, like a gpt4 requires enormous amounts of CPU power. I mean, they, they actually, there are companies out there right now, as we've written about, that are producing GPUs specific for AI, so AI chips. Uh, and there's a lack of them right now. And that, that's the industry, uh, there's a dearth of that right now. And the industry is looking to ramp production. And that's just for the purpose of training up these large language models, these huge large language yeah. models. It's going to be advantageous to have smaller ones in the future. We're definitely going that route. I see that down the line. And then how do you train up those smaller, large language models? You have somebody who knows prompt engineering. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I should mention that in, including covering the job market, you also do a lot of AI stuff. So no matter what we talk about on the show, if we start with the job market, we will always end up talking about generative AI at some point. Um, Let's talk about blockchain now. No, I'm just well, kidding. I actually, you know, we brought up coffee earlier with the the less large uh, order with the with splash of maple. Uh, you had a, an interesting story on Computer World a, a few weeks ago talking about this trend of coffee badging. Um, and, and again, you cover the back to work or back to the office remote workspace as well. Um, this was a report that came out from, was it Owl Labs, I think, had this? Uh, yeah, and and it just it caught fire off. this this idea this new trend of coffee badging. Uh, for those who don't know what this is, can you explain what this is? And have you ever have you ever done it? I don't think you've done it yet, and I I certainly haven't done it. But just going into the office for a quick meeting and leaving count. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I, I love that this is this became a trend based on data for badge swipes. Right. And so there are these companies that track uh, when you swipe your badge, you know, they, they provide the technology so they know who's swiping in and swiping out. They yeah. track it. And uh, what they were finding is that people were, you know, they were coming in, swiping their their badge, having a cup of coffee and then leaving to go home to do the rest of their day, you know, because people are being required to come in so many days a week. Yeah. You must come in three days a week. Uh, and sometimes more flexible on which days, but a lot of companies are going back to this sort of mandatory so many days in the office. And people are like, you know what? I was doing great at home. There was no productivity change. In fact, there was a bump in productivity. Plus, it gave me the flexibility that if I need to run out to the grocery store or take the kid to the doctors. Yep. I can do that. Come all the way home and do that. So, yeah, that's the, the trend is that people are swiping their badge at a company and going in just long enough to kind of get credit for being there and then heading back home because there's so few people in the office. The manager might not be in the office. He yeah. may be remote as he or she. Uh, and, and that's often the case. Um, it's a case in, in, in my job. So, hmm, I can do it. Ken, I'm not doing it, I promise. Here's, here's, uh, here's the thing, Lucas. It's It's... My commute for this this job, you know, where the studio is here, my commute can be anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour. Um, it just yeah. doesn't make any sense for me to come in, swipe my badge, grab some coffee, and then leave. Because now it's like two hours out of my day that, that you know, I'm commuting back and forth. It's like, that's right. that's why when I work here, I tr you know, I try to work as long as possible and then, and then work around the, the, the traffic situation. It, right. it, it seems like this would only make sense for someone who's maybe five to 10 minutes away from their job. Um, for 20 minutes, my case, 30 it, minutes, maybe. Well, I mean, yeah, and, then, and then like if you're if you're close enough to the office, why not just come in? But I, I know that the, I know there's a, a ton of reasons out there. And um, it just seems that the, it's weird that people, you know, they, they get this mandate from a company and then they are like and then they automatically think of like, well, how can I? beat the system and and this is what they're doing and and now there are numbers to track it which means that, that, that you know the bosses that were were using the data for just the number of badge swipes are now going to have to figure out how long everybody is actually in the office um, and then and then I'm sure that there's going to be another way for people to, to circumvent that as well it's probably a short-lived trend true but um, <laughs> probably yeah. doesn't have a lot of I just love the phrase too and and you know the coffee badging system <laughs> Uh, so yeah. as, as, as we head to the end of, of 2023 and look into 2024, are you seeing any any trends out there in, in the job space? Is it harder to find a job? I saw a story on Wired earlier this week about a guy who was trying to find a tech job and went through like 200 different interviews or job prospect parts. And um, I know that in the past when I was unemployed, probably about five or six years ago, the rules had changed about how do you get a, how, you, how you get a job. And um you know, and and with companies maybe not hiring as quickly as they were before, it, it does feel like it's going to take a longer to get a new job. Yeah, it, it is. It's and, and uh, I mean, compared to what it was two years ago, definitely. I have a lot of friends. Um, you know, it really depends on your job description and what yeah. you do. Uh, I have friends who've been searching. I, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer here, but you know, I've been searching for six months. Yeah. You know, but it's a very specific job title in IT. And so it just he's not it's not fitting right now for whatever reason. And then I have another friend who got a job within three weeks and he got a pay raise. Yeah. You know, he 
from being laid off to getting a better job right. with more money. So it can go either way depending on your job title. Um, and like I said, if you've been laid off, take the opportunity to educate yourself while you're on unemployment. Don't just sit at home and do nothing. You know, up upskill yourself. Look at some of the, the latest skills that are out there, uh, the data analytics and the cloud uh, uh, engineers, the right. um, uh, prompt engineers, you know, AI in general, just uh, upskilling yourself there. There are five different courses on prompt engineering at Coursera right now. Five different courses just on prompt engineering. Right. So take two of them, put that on your resume. Um, and, and, and look at, re reevaluate your resume for skills, especially not so much, you know, I attended this college. I was, uh, you know, magna cum laude or whatever, right. but skills, put those at the top. Here's what I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What I've done. And those skills are, you, are often what the companies are looking for more than anything else. So coming into the next year, you know, of course we've been threatened with a recession for what probably the <laughs> longest time in the history of this country. I, like I don't think rooting I'm rooting for one. Good grief. And, and I've, even, I've actually heard economists say, I wish it would already happen so we could get this over with, you know. I mean, people really want this recession to happen. Um, but I, I think the economy is is fairly strong in, in general. And uh, even if it's at, even if it's uh, Janko's report at 4.3 percent, that's still low unemployment. Yeah, that's low unemployment with, with, with those numbers it still feels like that job seekers would have an advantage if they could get over some of these hurdles about the length of time to find one and um maybe add a yeah. little bit of flexibility upskill those those skills if you need to um yeah i, I mean i i know i i know from personal experience that finding a job is very difficult um compared to when, it, when i was younger and, and when you know it was easy when you had a degree and that's all they looked at so right. um that that's you know start a podcast Let's just, you know, start talking about technology stuff because what is that lucrative? <laughs> you know what? Soft skills, big. Yeah. I, I just told a story not too long ago on how the industry is looking at the gaming community for some of these soft skills, collaboration, yeah. teamwork, critical thinking, problem solving. I mean, these are all things that you learn in some of these uh, uh, group gaming uh, communities and th this is what companies are looking for. They want employees who can work with other employees and solve problems more than they do just even with technical chops. I mean, they'd like both. But if you have soft skills, and I don't put on, I'm a people person, but <laughs> actually, you know, but if you have, if you've been a good collaborator, if you worked on projects that were successful, put that at the top of your resume. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for people who can collaborate and pro solve problems and create things. So um, that's a, a soft skills are huge right now. Every company I talk to, say yeah. That. So it's just make sure you thing. use the words like teamwork and collaboration rather than I was the top sniper in my four person Fortnite clan. <laughs> um, or, well, yeah, but you know what? You know, I'm, this is serious too. I've talked to companies that said they could, they would, they may ask questions like that. Like, do you ever do gaming? Yeah. Or what kind of gaming? Do collaborative gaming? Yeah. You good at it? Yeah, I am. As a matter of fact, I'm you know one of the top 100 players in this game. Yeah, seriously, they were actually saying that. Bullet, so, bullet, you know, bullet point. I can pwn my enemies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, man, I'm a I'm a bad virtual sniper. Let me tell you, uh, no, <laughs> it's stinking some it's of those not games. like that. But it it is like you know I'm at the, I'm at the top of the heap when it comes to this. Yeah, I'm great at collaboration. I love that's why I love these kinds of games. Yeah, because I love to. 
great with people. So um, I, I don't, yeah. I've never seen a good a good online gaming thing where people are collaborating and getting along. It's usually they they yell at each other, and I'm, I'm supposed that they're out there. There's some of those people out there. I've I've, I've played some games with Chris, our director, and um, we played for a while, and then and then we got sick of each other. I think. <laughs> well, plus the game's well, thinking. He he moved on to a different game, and I moved on to a different game as well. So. It's not all about Call of Duty, but you have esports is, is huge right now. Yeah. So esports. Yeah. That's a. All right, Lucas. Thanks for being on the show again for 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 making our 100th episode so special. Uh, we're gonna have you on probably for 200 and maybe for a few in between there, uh, especially as 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 other job uh, market stuff comes out. So thanks. And and you promise the next one you're gonna be in studio, right? I'll come in. I all promise. Right. All right. Thanks, Lucas. Take care. That's all the time we have for today's episodes. Don't forget to like this video, subscribe to our channel, and add any comments that you have below. Join us every week for new episodes of Today in Tech. I'm Keith Shaw. Thanks for watching.